Thank you for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. We hope you like this message and that it has an impact on your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more. This morning, Pastor John uh, isn't here. Uh, he's being a good father. Uh, he actually is in Sioux Falls, South Dakota for a baseball tournament with uh, our oldest grandson, Jace, and Isaiah's with them, and they're having a great time. Uh, and so he just said, Dad, can you, can you preach on Father's Day? Because I've got a father thing that I need to do. And I said, that's fantastic. Hallelujah. And uh, so that's where he is. Angel's with us. And uh, just noticed that uh, it was five years ago today that um, we made the announcement that Pastor John and Angel were going to be uh, our successors in the house. And it was five years ago today, Jamie saw it on her phone, uh, that I was praying for John on this platform. And I was sharing with you how that when he was 16 years old, uh, God spoke to my heart in a, uh, in a service, uh, much like this. And, uh, he, and the Spirit of God said, give him your mantle. Now, for those of you that have no understanding of what that is, that's, that's, that's Bible talk for uh, give him the anointing, give him the thing that I've given you to do the work that I called you to do, give it to him. And, uh, and, and it's the anointing, it's the mantle, it's, uh, it's, it's the hand of the Lord uh, that's upon an individual when he gets called to preach the gospel. And uh, so God said, give him your mantle. And, and, and he was 16 years old, called him up to the platform, prayed over him, and he crumpled like a dry leaf in, 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 in your hand. And, and he fell to the floor, just prayed over him, and, uh, and it was a bit of a journey after that. <laughs> How many of you know that, uh, that, 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 that you can be called and not fully submit to the call? And so, as you know, he said, told you several times, he was like Jonah. He, he didn't want to have anything because he had seen some stuff. that, And, and so, so he ran. But, uh, but how many of you understand, you can run, but you can't outrun God. Amen. Amen. And so, listen, young man, if you, if you got a call upon your life and you say, I don't want to have anything to do with that, you might as well give up, come to the altar, give, give it over to God because you can't outrun him. Hello? Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so, uh, so at any rate, uh, this this is the this is the fifth anniversary uh, of us uh, actually passing the baton. That day, I, if you remember, I passed the baton to him, and uh, he and Angel. Uh, I, I just want to say I was I was at a I was at a camp meeting uh, last week. I think it was in Montana, and uh, just shared with the with the people there uh, in Montana in Montana at the camp meeting that uh, I am so glad they took over when they did. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I'm glad he led through COVID and not me. Because I'd be looking like I'm 70 or 80. You know, I, I mean, that, that just would have taken... He had the strength. He had the wisdom. He had the vision. He had the energy. He had everything that it took to, to, to lead this church through that time. And it wasn't just him. It was Angel as well. And so uh, I just want to say, on behalf of Jamie and myself, we are so proud of you guys, of how you've led these last five years. And uh, we can't say enough. You guys are amazing. Amen. We love you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Don't tell him I said that. No, you tell him I said that when he gets back. Hallelujah. Well, uh, Pastor Andre kind of stole my, stole my thunder a little bit. I had the top 10 bad dad jokes of the season. 
And, uh, and so, so I, I was going to share those with you. I won't share those with you. I will, though, I will share with you the top five. Is that okay? <laughs> top five bad dad jokes of all time. Did you hear about the cheese that's been working? Now, these are for guys, okay? These are for men, all right? These are men jokes. These are dad jokes. These are hey, hey, okay? So, so top five bad dad jokes. Hear about the cheese that's been working out. He's shredded. Oh, well, I got, I got the, yeah, right. I used to hate facial hair, but then it grew on me. <laughs> what did the big flower say to the tiny flower? Hey there, bud. <laughs> I had a fun, <laughs> my wife is booing me down here on the front row. All right, I had a fun childhood. My dad used to push me down the hill in old tires. They were good years. Good years. You get it? Yeah, whatever. Okay. Okay, top, top, top one bad dad joke. This is the top bad dad joke of all time. What is the opposite of lady fingers? Mentos. Oh, come on. Come on. Oh, my gosh. That, hey, that was, that was okay. That was a good one, right? All right. So today's Father's Day. Want to show... Dad, Dad, I, I want to show, just, just before we get into the Word, I, I just want to say, um, you're more important than you think you are, to be honest with you. Uh, because, we, you know, we're living in a society, in fact, we were in a men's meeting uh, some while ago, and Pastor John uh, shared how that, how that the, the image of men has been so skewed in the American society, Right? Especially in the last generation. I'm, I can remember as a kid growing up, right? As a kid growing up, you turn on the television and, and we would see things like Father Knows Best, right? We would watch um, It's a Wonderful Life. And in, in It's a Wonderful Life, I don't know if you remember, but, but there's a point in the movie where, uh, where, where, where the, the, the main character, there's, there, there, there's something he needs to, uh, there's, some, there's, there's a bad medicine that's been given, and he's thinking to himself, what do I do? And he sees, and, and there's a poster that says, ask dad, he knows. And so, you know, during that time, during the, you know, Brady Bunch period, right, where, where Mike Brady, you know, he was, that, he was that picture of a dad where you could go and he had wisdom, he had understanding, he had direction. Uh, you could go to him for advice and, you know, he was stern and yet he was, he was tender. He was, you know, as, as some say, steel and yet he was velvet. And so you looked at, at men, you looked at fathers in that day with, the, with that view. And then things kind of over the years became skewed, right? And then, you know, we, 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 saw, we saw Archie Bunker. I think things kind of took a left turn when Archie got on the screen, okay? Uh, and, 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 and so Archie was, you know, was this bigot. Archie was this guy who had a big mouth and he called his, his son-in-law meathead. And, 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 so, and so things began to, began to change. They began to, uh, to, what's the word I'm looking for? Not uh, evolve in a, in a negative way. And uh, devolve, is that a word? I didn't want to know if, uh, I mean, I, I'm talking to the guy with the, with, the, with the hunting hat on the front row. And he's, he's giving me advice here as to, so, so the, the, the devil. Evolution, <laughs> and I love him, but he doesn't have a he doesn't have a knife in his pocket. What's up with that? But his wife has one. Can you imagine? And so, <laughs> and so, 
And, and, and then you, you know, you, you, you continue to devolve, uh, if that's a word. We'll check it out afterwards. Uh, but uh, th- then, then you get Homer Simpson, right? And he's a bumbling, stumbling idiot. And, and so we see that in the, in the mindset of America, the, the, the fathers and the image of a father has, has seemingly been devalued over the years. And so as I was preparing... And this really isn't what this message is all about, but I think our fathers need to know that if you've been made to feel like you don't make a difference, if you've been made to feel like uh, perhaps um, life really wouldn't be any different if you weren't here, or maybe even they'd be better off, um, I, want you to, I want you to listen to these statistics and I pray that today you would be encouraged that you do make a difference and that you are very important to the fabric, not just of the church, but to the fabric of society, and to the fabric of America. 72% of Americans, according to the National Center for Fathering, 72% of Americans believe that a fatherless home is the most significant social and family problem facing our country today. Can I say that again? 72% of Americans, when asked, what's the biggest problem in America, family-wise, social-wise, what's the biggest problem in America, they said it's the fact that there are few fathers in the home. And if we had more fathers in the home America would be a much better place. 85% of youths, according to the Texas Department of Corrections, 85% of young people in prison today grew up in a fatherless home. 85% of young men, young women currently in prison grew up in a fatherless home. Children from fatherless homes are twice as likely to drop out from school before graduating than children who have a father in their lives. And and, and listen, they said children who have a father in their lives. They didn't say children who have a father in their home. Children who simply have a father in their lives. And so you may be here and you you may have gone through a divorce. And you may not be in the home that your child is in, but if you stay involved in that child's life, that child is twice as likely to graduate from high school than if you don't. That's powerful. 90% of the youth in the United States, according to U.S. Department of Justice, 90% of the youth in the United States who decide to run away from home or become homeless for any reason originally came from a fatherless home. You go downtown and you talk to the guys that are, that are living on the streets, especially the young people, you'll find out that most of them have, came, have come from a fatherless home. And so, guys, you make a difference. 63%, and this is the, 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 this is the saddest of all the statistics, and I, I could have sat here up, uh, stood here all day and talked to you about statistic after statistic after statistic concerning fatherhood and the home, but 63% of youth suicides... Involve a child who was living in a fatherless home when they made that final decision. And so, guys, I say this today to let you know that you make a difference. 
You make a difference in your children. You make a difference in their future. You make a difference in your home. And, 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 and I just want to say today to all of our fathers, we honor you. We love you. We encourage you. May you be strengthened in the Lord. We pray for you in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for every one of our fathers. Lord, I know the devil would like to tear them down, beat them up, chew them up, spit them out. But Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for men today. We pray for men of God. We pray, Father, for fresh infilling of the power of the Spirit of God in these men. That, Father, they would not be weary in well-doing. Father, knowing that in due season they shall reap if they faint not. Father, I pray that they would not grow tired of praying for their children. They would not grow tired of bringing their family to church. They would not grow tired of getting into the Word. They would not grow tired of working and making a living so that their family might have a life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke the devil over them. We rebuke discouragement over them. We pray the power of God to rest upon them today. Let them know in their hearts and in their soul that, Father God, even though they may not have had a good dad, they can be a good dad. That, Father God, they can be who you've called them to be because there are no perfect fathers but one who is in heaven. And, Lord, we thank you that your word says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as our Father which is in heaven is perfect. And, Father, if you're dwelling in us, then we can be better than we've had and we can be better than we are. So, Father God, I pray your blessings upon every man, upon upon every family, upon every child. Father God, we pray not just for Dream City, but we pray for the church of Omaha. We pray for the church of America. We pray for America. God, have mercy upon us, we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Well, was that all right? Okay. Well. If you've got your Bibles and you'd like to turn there this morning, I want to uh, turn your attention to the book of Ecclesiastes. Some say Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. What does Ecclesiastes mean? Ecclesiastes means the preacher. And Ecclesiastes, obviously, for some of you that are uninformed, uh, but uh, it's it's literally uh, the book that's written by Solomon. Uh, the last few weeks, we've been talking about David. Last week, uh, Pastor John started talking about Solomon. Now, for those of you that are uninitiated, maybe you're here for the first time. We as a church have been going through the Bible app call, uh, called the Chronological uh, Reading Plan. And so every day, we read mostly two or three chapters. How many of you are part of that plan? Let me see your hands. Okay, for those of you that aren't raising your hands, do me a favor. Get your smartphone out, download the version. look at the plans on the bottom, and you will find that there are all kinds of Bible reading plans. How many of you understand we need to get into the Word every day? Amen. How many of you ate today? Did you eat this morning? How many of you ate this morning? Let me see your hands. Okay, how many of you did not eat this morning? Let me see your hands. Okay, about noon, about the time I start wrapping this message up... 
<laughs> About noon, you're going to be pretty hungry, okay? And if you don't eat at noon, you're going to be hungry at, at, at this, this evening at dinner. If you don't eat today, you don't eat tomorrow, you don't eat this week, you don't eat next week. In about 40 days, we're going to find you up in the hospital with, with tubes in your veins. They're going to be trying to keep you alive. Right? Right? It's true. Because we need to eat to live, right? Some of us live to eat, but we need really, most of us, we all need to eat to live. And so, so listen, just as in the natural, so also in the spirit. You have to feed your spiritual man. Otherwise, if you don't, if you're not having a daily intake of God's word, the enemy's going to come and he's going to trip you up. And so, so this isn't a message on reading the Bible, but this is an easy way to read the scripture. Download the U version. Check out the plans. Start where we are in the chronological plan. Just pick it up where it is. And, uh, and, and, and the thing is, I don't know exactly what day we're on, but today we're supposed to read Ecclesiastes chapter 1 through chapter 6. So if you download it today, all you have to do is go there, find out where, 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 uh, which day it is, and you can just start with the rest of us. And every week what we do, Pastor John and the staff, we, as whoever's speaking, we take a portion of what we have read or are going to read today, right? And we preach on it. So Ecclesiastes, the preacher... It's about Solomon. It's Father's Day. I was thinking about Solomon, and I was thinking, you know what? Solomon wasn't a real good father. He wasn't. Because if you read his son Rehoboam, I think he was probably dealing with some intimidation. When Solomon died and the kingdom was passed to his son Rehoboam, now here's the thing. I don't think Solomon was a real good father because I don't think he had a real good father. And I don't think David was a real good father because I don't think David had a real good father, right? And, 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 and sometimes the sins of the fathers are passed down to the sons from generation to generation to generation. And when you read about David, what happened? The Bible says when Samuel came to Jesse's house, he said, he said God has anointed, he sent me to anoint one of your sons as the next king. What happened? They went through every one of the boys and they forgot David was even part of the family. Right? And finally, when they went through every one of the boys and God said, no, Samuel looked at Jesse and said, is this everybody? And Jesse started counting them, right? One little, two little, three little. Came down to, to the eighth one. He said, he said, no. He said, one's missing. David, go get David. And, and, and here's the thing. David was overlooked. David was marginalized. David was set aside. They took a look at David and they said, if anybody's going to be used, it's not David. And so David grew up with this stigma about him in the family. And, then, and, and so he didn't have a real good, good, good fatherly image. And so, so he didn't become a real good father. We, 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 we read about that and how his son rose up in rebellion and sought to kill him. And there was the sword in his house. And, and so David wasn't a real good father. And David, David, although he passed the kingdom to Solomon and did everything he could to set Solomon up for success, I think he set him up for success spiritually. He set him up for success physically. He set him up for success financially. He set him up for success physically. He set him up for success in most every way except for relationally. 
And listen, your relationships are as important as your prayer life. Your children are as important as reading the Bible and being full of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. In fact, I would argue that your children are more important than speaking in tongues. Hello? Come on, somebody. And, and if, you, if you win the whole world but you lose your family, you've lost it all. My pastor told me when I was a young man, he said, Doby, you can follow me. You can learn from me. I want to give you everything I have so that when we're done working together, you'll be a better man of God than I am. And when you stand before God or when we stand before God, and if you've done more things than I've done and you've done greater things than I've done, maybe I'll get just a, just a little bit of the credit because I've given you everything that God's given me. I don't want you to work for me for what you can do for me. I want to give you everything I have so that you can be a greater man of God than I am. Made me want to pour water on the man's hands. And I served that man. And here's what he said. He said, these are my priorities. These are my values. You don't have to adopt them. But if you do, I think you'll be wise. Listen, when a man of God wants to give you advice, receive it. And he said, here are my values, God, family, my health, my ministry. He said, he, said, he said, because first of all, if you don't have God, you don't have anything. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things to be added unto you. You got to have God first. In all things, he must have the preeminence. He said, secondly, I put my family because if I don't have my family, you don't want to hear my ministry. Used to be. But today we've got preachers who change wives like they change clothes. And we've got people, we've got preachers who can live in sin and they can do whatever they want to do and yet they maintain their position in the kingdom. I don't know where we read that in the Bible, but that's not Bible. Used to be, if a man sinned, he'd sit down, he'd be restored. He would go through a period of restoration, not anymore. And so he said, he said, you got to have God first. You got to, not, number two, have your family. Because if, if, if I don't have my family, I, you don't want to hear my ministry. And I told him, I don't want to hear your ministry. He said, thirdly, is my, is my health. He said, I got to take care of my health. He said, so many guys sacrifice their health for their ministry or they sacrifice their family on the altar of ministry. He said, it's God, my family, my health, and my ministry. If you have, if you have to make me choose between God and the, uh, between my family and the church or my ministry, my ministry loses. And that's how I've lived my life. Amen. And I've been married this year for 40 years. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. And I still look pretty good. <laughs> I had to say it. Hallelujah. JB said, yeah, come on, baby. Hallelujah. And so, uh, so, so, so guys, guys, listen, man. Take care of your relationship with God. Take care of your family. Take care of yourself. And then whatever you do, don't put whatever you do in front of your family ever. And don't, 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 don't uh, do whatever you do at the, at the what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, at the expense. Thank you very much. Did you give me that? The guy in the hat. 
He, at the expense, don't, don't do that at the expense of your health, right? Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the, uh, the, 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 the preacher said this, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, said the preacher, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. I like the way the NIV says it. It says meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. The NASB says futility of futilities. All is futility. It was several years ago in the city of Los Angeles, California, they were playing the Rose Bowl. University of California was playing Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech was on their own 30. It was nearing halftime. They were, they, they, they were charging down, hopefully, to get a field goal before the end of the half. The ball is handed to a young running back by the name of Thompson. Thompson grabs the ball, sees a hole. He's running through the hole, and before he knows it, the hole is, 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 is blocked by Georgia Tech. They tackle him as they tackle him, or excuse me, blocked by California. They tackle him as they do. The ball comes out. The ball squirts out. As the ball squirts out, there's a young man by the name of Roy Regals. Somebody of you, some of you recognize this name. Roy Regals grabs the ball, and in the heat of the moment, he begins to run. And his head's down, his, his legs are churning, and he, and he goes 5 yards, 10 yards, 15 yards, 20 yards. He's running toward the goal line. And as he's running toward the goal line, his teammates come behind him, and, and, and the opposing enemy... Uh, or the opposing team comes behind, and the opposing team is blocking his team, not his team blocking the opposing team. They're blocking. The opposing team is blocking for Roy as Roy is running. Roy gets to the five-yard line. He gets to the four, the three, the two, finally down to the one-yard line, and one of his own teammates tackles him. Because Roy, in the heat of the moment, Grabbed the ball, got turned around, and Roy ran the wrong way with the ball. And forever, forever then, he would be known as Wrong Way Regals. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that's your legacy? You're in a restaurant and somebody says, hey, this is my friend, Roy Regals. And that person looks at you and you don't know who that is, but he looks at you and this is a total stranger. And he says, wrong way? <laughs> yeah, wrong way. And, 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 and so, so he ran and I, I look at this and I think, I, I think, what must he have felt like when he sat down on the bench at halftime? knowing that he ran 67 yards in the wrong direction and almost scored for the other team. I can imagine his head in his hands, him discouraged, feeling so horrible. And, and I think to myself, you know what? That may just be how Solomon felt. He was handed the ball by his father David. He was set up for success in every way. 
And yet somehow along the journey, he got turned around. He got turned around and he started running the wrong direction. And he runs the wrong direction for years on end. He's the most powerful man in the world, literally. He's the richest man in the world. He has more than anyone could imagine. More success, more power, more plaudits, more popularity. He's got everything that a man can have. In fact, he says it later on in the book. We're going to read it. He says, I had everything my heart desired. And yet he comes to the end of his life, and here's what he says. He says, meaningless. He's writing his journal, people. He's writing in his journal. And he's writing about his exploits, he's writing about his experience, he's writing about uh, his, his life and all of the wisdom that God has given him. He writes it down. This is the, this is the journal of King Solomon. We're, we're catching a glimpse into his mind. We're getting a glimpse into his heart as he writes out his journal in, in Ecclesiastes. And, and he starts it off by saying... Meaningless, worthless, vain, futile. And if he were to end it there, man, we might as well pray and go home. And be depressed all day. But he doesn't end it there. And you're going to see how he talks about life. Because he did. He had everything. As I said earlier, he had, he had power. He had prosperity. He had prestige. He had pleasure. He had anything his heart could desire. He had it all. And yet, he didn't have anything. At this point in his life, he had a great living but he wasn't living a great life. He had everything a man could want, and yet his soul was satisfied. And if he were living today, we'd probably look at him and say, man, Solomon, come on. You have 700 wives and 300 mistresses. You have 4,000 chariots. Do you know what that means? He had 4,000 cars. Come on, man. I mean, he made Jay Leno's garage look like kids play. This boy had everything a man could want, and he said, I don't have anything. We'd probably look at him and say, come on, Solomon, get a life, right? In fact, uh, you need to turn to your, ne your neighbor and look at him and tell him, you need to get a life. Come on, come on, get a life. Because, because this morning I want to talk to you, and the message I want to share with you is entitled, get a life. Some say, get a life. Get a life. And there are three things I see that Solomon understood about life that I want to share with you this morning. Number one, life is a mystery. Some say it's a mystery. Secondly, life is a test. Some say it's a test. And then finally, life is, guys, listen, life with God is an adventure. Life is an adventure. If you haven't figured that out. So this morning, I want to talk to you about get a life, and I know I've already been going a long time. i got 10 minutes to give to you the rest of my message. My Jesus, how did that happen? Father, 
Father, stretch out the time, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Life is a mystery. Some say life's a mystery. What does he say? He said, vanity of vanity. Why, why is he saying vanity of vanity? Because he's, he's, he's emphasizing it. You know, it's like Jesus said, verily, verily. When he said verily, verily, he was emphasizing. Well, they took a look at the holy place, and they said, it's not just a holy place. That's the holy of holies. There was an emphasis. It's the holy of holies. He's the king of kings. There's an emphasis in this. And he says, it's vanity of vanities. And he's talking about life. And, and, and what he's saying is, is, is life is a, is a puzzle surrounded by a mystery wrapped up in an enigma. And everybody who's lived for a little while knows that it is. And if you think you have it figured out, you don't. Come on, somebody. I said, just about when I think I figured it all out, they changed the rules. Right? And it's like, okay, how'd that happen? And, 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 and if you're with me, you know, you know the story. And you can finish this saying. The saying is, if it's not one thing, it's another. When it rains... It pours. See, that's the way life is. See, God takes the good. He takes the bad. He puts them one against another, and it seems like they both happen at the same time. That's why the scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and the, the scripture will be on the, on the screen for you. It says, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to the end. Now, now obviously, obviously, Solomon is speaking. He says, I've seen the burden God's placed on us all. God's made everything beautiful for its own time. He's planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, he says, in the midst of all the beauty, in the midst of God being in control, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to the end. He, what's he saying? He's saying, I know God's in this someplace. I just really don't know where. It's kind of like Charlie Brown building that Sandcastle. And as, if, you, if you read the Peanuts cartoon, uh, there are several frames. And, and, and in one frame, Charlie Brown's building a sandcastle. The next frame, he's got the moat. He's got the drawbridge. He's got, the, he, he's got the, the castle built. The next frame, it has a big wave knocking Charlie over. And then the last frame, it has Charlie sitting there thinking and saying to himself, I know there's a lesson here. I just wish I knew what it was. And sometimes that's the way life is, right? Sometimes we build our sandcastle and in the, in, in the, the, the life comes and knocks it over. And yet here's what God says. Here's what Solomon says. He says, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider. Because God has also set the one over against the other. Let me read it to you in the ASV. It makes more sense. It says, in the day of prosperity, be joyful, and in the day of adversity, consider. Somebody say prosperity. prosperity. Adversity. adversity. Look what he says. He says, God's made the one side by side with the other. It's like, it's like life is this railroad track, and it has these two tracks, and one track there's prosperity, and the other track there's adversity, and these two tracks go hand in hand, side by side, one after another. Just when you think you're walking in tall cotton and doing good, all of a sudden adversity comes, and you're, and you're riding over here in adversity, and all of a sudden God blesses you over here. It's like the, it's like the rancher who had the stallion, right, who, who got away, and, 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 and they took a look at the stallion they said man this is a great stallion good thing beautiful horse 
But then the next day, he broke out of the corral. Bad thing. Bad horse. But then he hooked up with some horses out in the, out in the field, and he managed to bring the horses back home with him a couple of days later. Good horse. But then the rancher's son was working with the new horses, and he broke his leg. Bad horse. But then war broke out, and the son didn't have to go to war. Good horse. So it's, it's, it's bad, then it's good, and it's good, then it's bad. And, and, and life seems to be a puzzle that you just can't figure out, right? And let me, let me, let me throw you a bone. You can't figure life out because God created it that way. He created life to be the way it is. Why? Because he set eternity in the hearts of men. That's what the first verse said. It said he has planted eternity in the human heart. What does that mean? Here's what it means. God made us different than any other animal. No other animal has eternity planted in their hearts. But God has planted in our hearts something eternal. And there's this thing that says on the inside, there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more to life than going to work and making money and, 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 and building homes and having cars and, and building up a bank account and, and buying clothes and paying bills and all the stuff stuff. There's got to be more to it than that. Uh, and when you lay in your bed and you look up at the, at the ceiling or you sit outside on your porch and you look up into the sky and you see the stars and you see the billions of billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy, you say to yourself in your heart, there's got to be more than this. And something on the inside says there's got to be more than this. It doesn't matter how many cars you have. It will not satisfy. It doesn't matter how much, uh, how great your, 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 your house is. It will not satisfy. It doesn't matter how big your bank account is. It will not satisfy. Why? Because there's something on the inside of every man in this room, every woman and every child that says God is real and I was made to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. Something on the inside. God set eternity in the hearts of men. Revelation 4.11 says, For by him all things were created. And they were created by him and for him. Can I tell you, you were created by God and for God? That's your purpose. Your purpose isn't to work and to make money. Your purpose isn't to have a nice home only. Your purpose isn't to wear nice things. I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't have nice things and have a nice home and have a nice and all that stuff, but I'm saying it's not about the stuff. Sometimes we get it mixed up. We think it's about the stuff. It's not about the stuff. I often say that a bird was made to fly and a fish was made to swim. A man was made to serve God. And until you start serving God, young man, you're going to be like a bird in the sea or like a fish in a tree. You're going to be out of place, and it's not going to make sense. So Solomon says, life is an enigma. It's a mystery. It's a puzzle. I can't figure it out. It's like, it's like there's good and there's bad, but the reason is because God is using the good and the bad to draw you to himself, and it doesn't make sense. He, 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 says, he says, vanity, all is vanity, all is futile, and if we would have ended there, 
then it would have been sad, but all is vanity. But then he says, without God. But if you add God to the equation, it's not vain. It's amazing. And so, so, so he, says, he says, life is a puzzle. Then he says, he says secondly, life or excuse me, life is a, is, a, is a mystery. Then he says, secondly, life is a test. And, and listen, listen, I'm not saying life, life is a test that it tests you. Because it does, right? But that's not what he's saying here, that life is a test that tests you. He says, I tested life. This is what, this is what Solomon says. He said, he said, I came and like the little boy sitting at the table in the 1970s commercial with his two brothers sitting there. And it zooms in, and the one brother looks at the other brother, and he says, what's that? And he says, I don't know. Some new kind of cereal is supposed to be good for you. Did you try it? I'm not going to try it. You try it. I'm not going to try it. Let's get Mikey. He hates it. He won't eat it. He hates everything. And they put the life cereal in front of Mikey, and what does Mikey do? He tests it. He tries it. And they go, hey, Mikey, he likes it, right? Come on, somebody. How many remember that commercial? Two of you. That's cool. Uh, no, 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 no. A lot of us. And so, and, and, and so what, what's he doing? He's saying, I tasted of the Lord. I, 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 I tasted. I tasted all of these things. And, and, and listen, he's asking the question, what is life all about? What's the answer? He says, I sought out the answer. I sought out the answer in science. In Ecclesiastes 1, 4 through 7, I don't have time to run through all these scriptures, but he said, the sun rises, the sun sets, hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea's never full. What's he saying? I checked out science, and I found it to be vain. I looked at philosophy, Ecclesiastes 1.13, devoted myself to search for understanding, to explore by wisdom everything being done under the sun. Ecclesiastes 2.1, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. He said, then after I checked out pleasure and philosophy and science, I went to drinking. And after much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. Then he said, no, wine's not satisfying. Drinking's not satisfying. I tried to find meaning in building huge homes for myself and planting vineyards. That didn't satisfy so then I made gardens and parks and filled them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water, irrigate the many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, men and women. They were born in my household. I had large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who lived in Jerusalem before me. So I tried stuff. I tried wealth in 2.8, collected great sums of silver and gold. He said, I hired wonderful singers in that same verse, both men and women. So music, wealth, possessions, building, drinking, pleasure, philosophy, science. He said, I tried it all. And he ends it by saying, I had everything a man could desire. Listen, wealth and fortune isn't going to, fame's not going to satisfy you. Ask Johnny Depp. Come on, somebody. I said, it doesn't satisfy. And so... What does he say? He says, the end of the matter is this. Satisfaction is not found in what you know, who you know, what you have, what you feel, what you do, who you have, who you are, or who you aren't. Satisfaction is found in a relationship with God. That's the only place you'll ever be satisfied. So what does he say? Let me give it to you and I'm done. Hallelujah. You didn't think I could do it, did you? 
you really thought I was talking about lunch, didn't you? Hallelujah. I was... Ecclesiastes 2.4, listen to this. There's four verses real quick. Ecclesiastes 2.24, enjoy. There's nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good for his labor. Ecclesiastes 3, every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. Ecclesiastes 3.22, there's nothing better that a man should rejoice in his own works for that is his portion. And Ecclesiastes 5.18 and 19, says, God has given riches and wealth and has given power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor, for this is the gift of God. What's he saying? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, if God has given you things, enjoy them. Jesus enjoyed life. The Bible said that he was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows. You know, I think sometimes we look at Jesus and we think he was just some sanctimonious religious guy, uh, some recluse, some, uh, but, but, but he wasn't. He was, I mean, he was always hanging out with people. He loved parties. He went to, made wine at the wedding. He, he hung out. He was called a wine bibber and a glutton, although he wasn't. He was, why? Because he was hanging out with these guys all the time. Why? He loved life. Children loved to come and sit on his lap. Jesus loved life. So then, how are we to live? Here three things and I'm done. Enjoy the good times, trust him in the bad times, serve him at all times. Some say enjoy the good times, trust him in the bad times, serve him at all times. Listen, enjoy what you have, not what you don't. Let me say that again. I think somebody needs to hear this. I said, you need to enjoy what you have and don't worry about what you don't because it's never going to be enough. Chuck Swindoll said, have you, have you ever noticed a man never earns enough? A woman is never beautiful enough? Clothes are never stylish enough? Cars are never nice enough? Phones are never current enough? Houses are never furnished enough? Food is never tasty enough? Relationships are never romantic enough? And love, or excuse me, life is never full enough. It's like the man who said, to whom little is not enough, nothing is enough. And so we need to, we, we need to just, hey, listen, if you're going out to lunch today, enjoy your lunch. Okay. If you go to work tomorrow, enjoy your job. If you're married, enjoy your wife. Enjoy your husband. Enjoy your children. Enjoy your grandchildren. Enjoy your friends. Attack life. Squeeze the juice out of all, all the juice out of life that you can. Why? Because Solomon says it's a gift of God. Stop wanting a better life and enjoy the life you have. Trust in God when things don't make sense. Just because they don't make sense to you doesn't mean they don't make sense to God. And so you need to trust him. When you can't trace his hand, you can trust his heart. And finally, serve him at all times. Live your life with godly reverence. Life is a test. Well, let me just give you this last verse. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Life is a test. Life is a mystery, but life ultimately is supposed to be a life of adventure, and that can only be found with God. The clock is going to hit double zero. The final curtain is going to be pulled. The sun's going to set. The lights will be turned out, and soon you and I will stand before God. Amen. And Solomon is saying that none of the things that you think are important now are going to be important then. Not going to matter what kind of car you drove. Not going to matter how much money you had in the bank. Not going to matter what kind of house you lived in. Not going to matter what kind of what kind of what kind of shoes you wore. 
What's going to matter is, did you have a relationship with him? And did you enjoy life because you had him in your life? That's what's going to matter. So, guys, guys, you are so important. Serve God with all your heart. That's the best thing you can do for yourself and everybody around you. Amen? Stand with me today. Hallelujah. Sorry I took so long. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, the first 30 minutes wasn't in my notes, but it was good. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> love you guys. Father, we love you. God. Our hearts are overwhelmed. We think about your goodness. How you redeemed our life from destruction. You crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercy. And God, we take a look at Solomon and we think, well, here's the wisest man that ever lived. And we're sitting down with him today. And we're getting some advice. Lord, I pray for those of us that need a life, you'd help us get a life. Yeah, it's a puzzle. But it's been tested. And Solomon found out the truth. That life is an adventure. And, life, and, and like Jesus said, you came to give us life and life more abundantly. So Father God, I pray for this church and I pray for every man. God bless them. And Lord, if they, like Roy Regals, have been turned around and they're running in the wrong direction, God, I pray today you turn them around. Father God, that they would not be running the wrong direction and scoring for the other team. God, I pray, turn us around and help us to run the right way so that when we stand before you, we'll not stand ashamed with our head in our hands, embarrassed that we ran the wrong way our entire life. If you're here today and you need to turn around, do me a favor, man or woman, boy or girl, Whoever you are, you need to turn around, lift a hand, and put it back down right now so I can know who I'm praying with. I'm going to pray with you in just a second. God bless you. God bless you, people all over this place. Pray this prayer with me if you need to turn around. Jesus, I'm running the wrong way. I want to turn around. Please forgive me. I want to repent, turn from my sin, and serve you with everything I have. I give you my heart, give you my life, give you my future. Forgive me of my sin, change my heart, and help me from this day forward to serve you with everything I have, not just as Savior, but as Lord of my life. I pray in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that you would solidify that by the power of the Holy Ghost. Don't let them continue to be who they were, but change them, because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. May all things become new. May the old things pass away. I pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God bless you. Amen. Happy Father's Day. Hey, listen, if you're not involved, get involved in a small group. Come on Wednesday night, some great classes. Listen, serving God isn't just about praying a prayer. It's about becoming a disciple of Christ. That means a follower with everything that you have. So we'll see you on Wednesday night. God bless you. Have a great Father's Day. Be dismissed in Jesus' name. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. 
please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.